Hello, and welcome to Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth. We're so happy that you decided to join us today. This is the teaching podcast from our Sunday worship service, recorded at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Our goal as a church is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. We hope that this message inspires you and helps to lead you deeper in your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy! So as you know, we, our word of the year is dwell, learning to live in the shadow of the Almighty, the Most High. Now, one of the greatest things we need to know for each and every one of us is to know how to dwell in God's presence. We want to be able to be in His presence always. So to start off today, I actually want you to use your imagination, though. We're going we're to change things up a little bit. I want you to imagine if I would say to you, if you could have any house that you would want in the whole wide world, what type of house or what house would you have? Any house, your dream home, what would your dream home be like? How many of you, just by a show of hand, you have an idea of what you would want as your dream home, okay? So most of you have your hands up. Now, just in case you don't know what you would pick for your dream home, I have a couple houses you can look at. This is going to be the first one there, right there. Uh, how many of you would want this house? All right. Okay, a couple of you guys raise your hand. All right, a couple of you guys I think you would like this house. All right, I'm going to show you another picture here. How, what about that as your house? Skip the first one, this house, a little better as a dream house. How many of you picked the first one instead of the second? All right. The third one, right there, a beautiful one overlooking a mountain. And I'll give you one more, one more over here, that house right there. In the island of your choice, okay? So, so how many of you are ready to move? So some of you is like, yo, if you, give me, if you give me that house right now, I'm out, I'm out. So, so those are four houses. But what if I tell you that you could have your dream home, but there's going to be a little catch, okay? A little catch. The catch is the next picture that's going to come up, okay? The catch is that you have to build it yourself, okay? So... You could have your dream home, but we will give you the bricks, the cement, the nails, the sheetrock, the wood. Pedrosa back there, he's a contractor. He's like, I got this. That's easy. So I know that's what you're thinking. We'll give you all the stuff, but you have to build it yourself. You cannot hire anybody. No one else could help you. It's you and you alone. How many of you, how many of you are like, estoy en problema ahora. I'm in big trouble now. Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you're in big trouble. All right. How many of you are like, I'm in big trouble, but I'm still going to try. Who cares? Raise your hand. All right. How many of you are like, I got this. I could actually build it. Raise your hand. 
All right. I know. I, I know. Oh, look, Lucy's like, I'm going to build it. I'm gonna build. Let, let me tell you, I know if that would be my situation, I'm confident that I'm able to build it. Some of you don't know, I have a part-time job. Uh, besides like being in ministry and doing other things I do uh, for the city. My part-time job is working at Home Depot. Look, uh, right there, you'll see it behind me. So yeah, like uh, I I work for Home Depot part-time. I have a lot of experience working at Home Depot. So I am confident that I'm able to build whatever comes my way. Actually, like it's really comical. I'm really not that good of I'm not a handy person. Whenever something breaks in my uh, house, my wife automatically falls into depression when something breaks in the house because she knows it's going to take a few weeks or months before it gets fixed because I have the Home Depot book, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. It could be up to a hundred. It won't help me. I, I, don't, I don't have the skills like that. But I do want to let everyone know that regardless or not, uh, I do have to bust your bubble from the standpoint, none of us are leaving with any of those dream homes, let's say, today. But regardless or not, if you don't feel like you're a contractor or not, regardless of that, something that's really important for us to know, we're all spiritually building something. Each and every one of us, you're building something. You might have never thought of yourself being handy. You would have never thought of yourself building something. But every single person is building something. And what you're building is within your heart. I'm going to read to you a verse that this verse impacts me every time I read it. It's in Isaiah chapter 66, verse 1. It says this. This is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne and the earth, it's my footstool. Even before going further, like think about that. Heaven is my throne. He sits on a throne in heaven and the earth is his footstool where he just puts his foot up on Pretty much saying, yo, I'm king over everything. Forget about, in the beginning I said, what if you owned one of those dream houses? He owns everything. Everything on the earth belongs to him. You think you own stuff. The stuff you have in your bank account, your apartment, your house, or whatever it is. You think you own your car. You don't own anything. I don't own everything. anything. God is the one that owns everything. He's king over everything. And then he says this. He says, this is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? So that verse is powerful because it shows like God is saying, look, I own everything. I'm king over everything. But where's the house you're going to build for me? Where's the house you're going to build for me? Because he wants to dwell within our hearts and he wants to live in our hearts. And he's pretty much saying, it's like, you know, where is the house you're building? Every single one of us, we're building a house. And really, God is the only one that could tell us the condition of, what, uh, of how it is. 
In Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 to 19, it says this, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may, you can say the next word really loud, all of you, dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. So right here in this verse, number one, you see that the Holy Spirit is active to strengthen us through his power so that Jesus could dwell in our hearts and that we might be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So right now, this moment, God wants to dwell in our hearts and he wants to fill it to the fullness of what he has for us. So many times, you know, God is dwelling in our hearts, but we might've given God a closet to live in. We might've put God on the couch, be like, God, you're not gonna roam through my whole heart. You're not gonna be king of every room. I'm gonna put you on the couch. It's a futon too, and it's little. We know you're a big God, but it's a little futon. Your legs are gonna hang over. You know, like all of a sudden we restrict God and tell God, God, you're only gonna be in a certain section of my heart when the reality is he wants all of your heart, all of your heart. But so many times we only give God just a part of it. As you know, we're going through the Bible this entire year and every week we highlight a different book. And this week, we're gonna be highlighting First and Second Samuel. Now, there's so many different things we could talk about First and Second Samuel, so many different people we could talk about First and Second Samuel, but we're gonna focus on two main um, people, King Saul and King David. King Saul was the first king of Israel, and King David, even if you don't know too much about King Saul, because if you, if you weren't raised going to church and reading the Bible, and maybe you're visiting us for the first time, or maybe you're watching through the live stream, you might not know who King Saul is, but he was the first king of Israel. Now, King David, even if you weren't raised going to church, and even if you don't read the Bible, almost everyone knows about King David because of David and Goliath knocking down the giants. And you might also know that King David wrote most of the book of Psalms. So all of a sudden, King David is definitely a prominent person that some of us might know. Now, you might think automatically that King David and King Saul were just completely opposite people. How many of you think complete? Don't raise your hand, but you, you might think in your heart, they're just night and day, King Saul and King David. But the truth is they had a lot in common. They had a lot in common. I'm going to tell you some of the things they had in common. They were both kings of Israel. They were both God's choice, okay? God chose both of them to be in that role. And you would be able to read that in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verses 15 to 17, and chapter 16, you could read that. Both of them started out good, being in their role, and both had the Spirit of God come upon them 
So God's presence, we're looking for God's sightings during this series, looking the way God uh, moves. God's presence came down upon both of them, and both of them sinned. Both of them sinned in their lives. Now, even though they had all those things in common, there's one major thing that separated the two of them that made them different. If, you, if we were into Sesame Street, I know Sesame Street would tell you, like, today's teaching is, oh, I mean, today's episode or whatever is brought to you by letter. Today's letter is, the, I didn't watch too much Sesame Street growing up, I have to admit. I was watching Sao Gigante. But, like, for those of you that watch Sesame Street, the letter is H, okay? So what was the big difference? This is, like, we're playing, uh, like, you got to guess. A big difference between King Saul and King David. H, it's not, obviously, humility is important, but the big difference, heart, who said it? Whoever said it, you get one of those houses in the beginning. I don't know who's going to pay for it, though. <laughs> no, I'm not paying for it. Yeah, someone better pay for it. So uh, you get the whoever said it. So the big difference between King Saul and King David was their heart, their heart. So today's pretty much focus is our hearts. That's really our focus today because we're going to be highlighting their hearts. Now, before talking about King David, I want to highlight a little bit about King Saul's heart. Um, I'm going to tell you five things about his heart. The first thing is this, his heart didn't obey God. His heart didn't obey God, it's going to be behind me. Now, one of the things that he obeyed God how he wanted to obey God. He decided that obedience is doing it his way, not God's way. For those of you that are parents and have kids, maybe your, your kids do things that you told them to do, but they do it their way. You tell them to clean the room now, they do it about two hours later. That's disobedience. Even though they still did it, they didn't do it when God told, well, God, no, the parent told them. I know some parents, well, I'm God in this house. No, God is God everywhere, all right? But when the parent told them to do it and they did it their way, is disobedience. That's like King Saul. He disobeyed. You know, God would tell him to do something and he did it his way. And when I'm highlighting King Saul, I want you to look at your own life. Is that you? Do you do things for God according to the way you like to do it? Do you draw the lines and the boundaries and you, you tell God, you know, God, you have your heaven on throne and the earth is your footstool, but I'm just going to do this and I allow you to just do this in my life. I'm not going to do it the way that you want me to do it. So that was one of King Saul's thing. His heart diso- um, didn't obey God. The second point is his heart exalted himself instead of God. He was only looking to exalt himself instead of God. So whenever it was uh, time to get credit, who wanted the credit? Saul. You know, it wasn't about praising God, giving God all the honor he deserved. It was really about Saul. So the world revolved around Saul in Saul's eyes. It wasn't about obeying God. And you need to look at yourself. It's like, is that the way that you might live? Is that the way that you might live? That everything revolves around you instead of revolving around God. And, and that's one of the things is, and 
a good way to test this is like, what, do you check in with God? Do you consult with God? Instead of you telling God what you're going to do, do you ask God, God, what do you want me to do? You know, and I've said this before, so many times we do our own thing and ask God to bless it. Instead of saying, God, what is it that you want me to do? Because I know if I do what you want me to do, it's already going to be blessed. But we try to do the reverse. We try to do the reverse. And when we do the reverse, who's really king? It's, it's, so many times we say the Christianese answer. The Sunday school, you know, who's king of your heart? Oh, Jesus is king. Really? Is really, it's not is really, is God really the king of your heart? Now, uh, the third point I want to highlight about King Saul is this. His heart didn't understand the Lord's ways. He didn't understand the Lord's ways. He didn't love God's word the way David did. Now, we're going to go into that in a little bit. He didn't. So, You cannot know God's ways without knowing God's word. So if I got to tell you that this week, this week, I have a special announcement for all of you. Some of you are going to get automatically sad, okay? Special announcement. We're not going to eat anything from today to next Sunday. I know your stomach is growling right now. And and you're like, man, I was dreaming about that bandeja paisa right after service. But it's like all of a sudden you were dreaming about that food. If I tell you 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 can't eat anything the whole week, all of a sudden your heart got sad right now. All of a sudden you're like, yo, that can't be. All of a sudden you're trying to sneak a a nutrition, your granola bar out of your pocket to try to eat it before service ended because it doesn't count. It starts after service. So you're trying to eat something. You know for a fact that would make you sad. Like, in a sense, it's like, no, I have to eat. And some of us, we love to eat. I love to eat. I love to eat. So I know all of us love to eat. Spiritually speaking, if you only eat on Sundays, sitting in service, you're not eating. You're starving yourself. You're spiritually unhealthy if all you have of God's word is listening to it on Sunday. Spiritually unhealthy. You, you need to dwell in God's word every single day. And physically, you don't just eat once a day. You eat a couple times during the day. And the same way, you have to chew on God's word every day. So think about it. Don't focus so much on your physical health and neglect your spiritual health. Both of them are extremely important. But so many times, we neglect our spiritual uh, health. And we can't know God's ways unless you read God's word. And here in this church, we want all of you to know God's word. We want you to read the Bible, know the Bible. If for some reason anything is said from this pulpit that doesn't fall in line with God's word and you have a question or whatever, we want you to come up to us be like, yo, how come that was said? I don't see that in scripture because the reality is everything is the foundation is God. We want you to know God's word. There's churches and other denominations that don't want you to know God's word. They just want you to listen to whatever the pastor has to say or whoever the faith leader, let's say, I have to say or whatever. Let me tell you something. If you ever encounter that, you better run from that church as fast as you can, okay? Because every single one of us should know God's word for ourselves. And that's the way it is. And that's the way that God wants it to be. The fourth point about King Saul's heart is this. His heart feared man rather than God. 
His, his heart feared man rather than God. He was more concerned about what other people might say or do than what God says or do. Like when you walk your life, are you more concerned about what your boss says, your, your family says, your coworkers, strangers, than obeying God? In the end of the day, obedience to God is the most important thing over everyone and every situation. And a lot of times God is going to ask you to do things that doesn't make sense. A lot of times God is going to um, ask you to do things that is going to stretch you out of your comfort zone, but you have to obey him. And whatever God speaks to you always has to align to his word because his word is the foundation, is his word, his scripture. Now, the fifth point is this, his heart, talking about King Saul, tolerated sin and wasn't repentant. Think about that. He tolerated sin. He pretty much allowed sin to be in his life and came up with excuses about it. I don't know if any of us have ever done that before. Like I've talked to a lot of people before. They're like, Carlos, um, it's okay for me to have this sinful lifestyle because God understands. God understands. He, know, he made me. He, he knows like, I, like it's just the way I need it. Like, I need to engage in that sin because I just, God understands and he's okay with it. Nowhere in scripture do you see that God is okay with sin. Nowhere in scripture do you see he's okay with sin. And so many times we come up with excuses because we're trying to justify things in our own minds to allow us to do whatever we want. We still want to be God and not let God be God. So we come up with um, things and we tolerate sin. Uh, we tolerate sin in our lives. We entertain sin. We welcome sin. We don't allow God to transform us. And in the, you could say the house of our heart, certain sins, we keep them in a closet. We probably put Jesus sitting on the food, sleeping on the futon in the living room. But we're like, Jesus, you can't come into this room or this room, because this is where I keep the hidden dark secrets of my life that no one else sees. But I have news for everyone that God sees everything. You can't hide no sin from God. You might be able to hide it from your wife. You might be able to hide it from your husband. You might be able to hide it from your kids, your coworkers, your boss, but you cannot hide anything from God. And God is there wanting to transform you and pretty much renovate your house in your heart. Let me tell you, sometimes to build a house, you have to deconstruct what's originally there before you could build new things. Some of us have to be in a season of deconstructing things, walls, rooms, buildings within our own hearts that we've established through the years based on sin and the ways of the world and Jesus is saying, you know what? I want to come here and literally tear all of that apart, rip it all apart, and help you build this house that you need to build so that he could dwell in. But you have to give him permission. God's not going to come in and start knocking walls down in your heart without you telling us, like, God, I want to bring this change. And let me tell you, change isn't easy, but it's necessary. And this is the thing. By you choosing not wanting to change you're holding that area back from God doing something really special in your life. 
You don't know what you're holding that area thinking that you'll miss out if you give that up. And God's looking at you be like, look, if you would only give that up, you see, you'll see what I have for you. And what I have for you is a billion times more better for you overall than what you currently have. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 14, it says this. And this here is probably one of, it should be one of the, I don't want to say, well, like scariest. It is like it should grab your attention. It says this. Now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Now, something I want to make uh, clear here. This was all based on Saul's decision. You know, Saul's decisions, he pretty much kept doing whatever he wanted to, disobeying God, doing whatever he wanted to. And it got to a point where God's like, you know what? I'm going to remove my Holy Spirit from you. So the Holy Spirit departed from Saul. And then it says uh, afterwards that there was an evil spirit from the Lord that tormented him. Now, I want to make something very clear. God, God uses all things for his purposes. And here, this is a judgment on Saul because of his own actions. Pretty much, God allowed it to happen because he is sitting on the throne of heaven with his foot on a, um, the stool using the earth as his stool. He's king over everything. So whatever happens in life, whether we like it or not, we know that God is still sovereign. He is in control. There's pretty much things that happen in life that we will never understand why it happened, but we have to trust in God's sovereignty. But what I want to highlight here is the fact that this Holy Spirit here for King Saul pretty much departed from his life, departed from his life. And I'll, I'll go into that a little bit more afterwards. Now let's talk about King David's heart. Now, something I want to get very clear. King David, uh, David wasn't perfect at all. We know that. He sinned. He committed murder. He wasn't perfect at all. And God is not looking for perfection. He's looking for a heart that pretty much is pretty much surrendered and positioned to glorify and honor him always. Now, we're going to look at here. We're going we're gonna to highlight a couple things about his heart. But before I mention the things about his heart, I want to read two verses. This is the prophet Samuel first speaking to Saul. In 1 Samuel 13, verse 14, it says this. But now your kingdom will not endure. Imagine you're, you're the king of Israel and a prophet comes and says, but now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. He sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. So right here, I just think that that's such a powerful verse because literally God looked for a person that was chasing after his own heart. And I love the fact that he highlights that he was chasing after God's heart because so many times I feel like Christians don't chase after God's heart. 
They chase after God's hands because all they want is God's blessings over their life. And they don't want to know God's heart. They don't, they don't want to know what makes God cry, what makes God joyful, what, makes, what moves God's heart. The same way, think about if you're in a relationship with someone and all you do is ask for things. And you could care less about getting to know them. All you do is ask for things. How, how many marriages are going to last in that way? They're not going to last. If all you do is ask, 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 like you're not like pretty much like putting the other person first and wanting to get to know the other person's heart. If all you want is what the person could give you instead of knowing their heart, that relationship won't last. How is our relationship with God? How's our relationship with God? Is it about what we could get out of him? Is God like our spiritual like insurance plan, like a benefit plan? like a retirement plan, like, you know, like, it's like, we just have a relationship with God because we don't want to go to hell. Like, you know, we have a relationship with God because we want him to bless us. We have a relationship with God because we just want like the things that he, he's going to give us in our lives. Is that the basis of the relationship? Because here, what's interesting about King David, King David was after God's heart. God, King David wanted to know God. Like, it didn't, it didn't matter whether he was blessed by him or didn't get blessed by him. He wanted to know God. So many times when relationships is based out of what you get, you know what happens? The moment you don't get something, then all of a sudden you hate that person. You walk away from that person. Oh, you could do something for someone nine out of ten times. That one time you don't do it. And all they're looking for is what you could give them. Guess what that, uh, they're going to do to you? You'll become the worst person in the whole wide world. So you know how many people I've talked to? So many people I've talked to is like, you know what, Carlos? I tried that God thing. I was like, you tried God thing? Like, you know what I mean? Like, well, what's that God thing? It's a thing to try. Like, you're like, let me just try God today and see how that works out. You know, he's like, I've tried God thing. It's like, you know, I, I went to church for a while. I followed him for a while, but he didn't answer my prayer. He didn't answer my prayer. So that's it. I walked away. I stopped going to church. I don't have a relationship with him. I'm not following him anymore. There's something wrong there. Right there, the problem is not God, it's you. You, you went into the relationship thinking that you're God, that you get to ask God, like if he's a genie, everything you want, and the moment he doesn't supply it, all of a sudden he's not God, and you don't believe in him, and you don't want to follow him, you're sitting in the throne of your own heart, and God is not sitting on the throne of your own heart. So that's something we need to uh, consider. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, it says, this was when the prophet went to anoint, anoint King David. It said this, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I've rejected him, talking about another potential brother for a king. The Lord does not look at things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the word for the day. What's the word for the day? Heart right there. Now, something that's interesting here is that David, it was eight of them in total. Eight of them. Seven brothers and plus David. Here the prophet Samuel went to anoint the king and he even 
was in the wrong because he's like, it has to be this one because he looked the part. God is not interested in any of us looking the part. He's more interested on what's happening inside your heart than anything else you could think on the outside. He doesn't care about the outside. He cares about your heart. So all of a sudden he goes and he's trying to find his brother. And now here's David, pretty much not even there. David probably, David was, his dad didn't even consider him to bring him in the potential list of the lineup. His brothers didn't say, hey, where's David? Let's go get David and bring David as well. He was pretty much looked down upon, disowned, you could say, from everyone else. And he was exactly the person God wanted. And I don't know about you, but sometimes we might feel we might not measure up with the world. We might feel like we don't measure up. We don't have the, the financial status, we don't have the titles, we don't have the cars, the houses, the dream homes, we don't have all these things that the world wants you to have, power, influence, and all that stuff. And we might think lesser of ourselves. Let me tell you something, all of that is worthless, worthless, unless the main thing is your heart for God. You're hard for God. That's the main thing. So even though you might have the world reject you, even though your own family might reject you, even even your own brothers and sisters might reject you, if you give God your heart and you chase after God's heart, let me tell you, God is there to select you out of the crowd and to anoint you and to fill you with his presence and lead you into where he wants you to go. He's there to lift you up. And it doesn't matter the words that the world has said. It doesn't matter what has happened in your past. It doesn't matter what's happening in your circumstances now. God sees beyond that. God sees everything and who God anoints, let me tell you, he's the one that decides and he's able to do it, but he's looking for people that are after his own heart, his own heart. I'm going to highlight five things about King David's heart. And I want you to look at, is that your heart as well? Number one is this, his heart loved God and his word. His heart loved God and his word. Psalm 119 verses 10 to 11. This is King David saying, I seek you with all of my heart. Do not let me stray from, my, uh, from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I, I may not sin against you. I want you to look at King David's heart. He wasn't perfect, but he loved God. He wanted to follow God more than anything else. His heart loved God and his word. The second thing about his heart is this. His heart stepped out in faith. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 45, we know, of course, the story of uh, David and Goliath. Here is David. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. So here, here it's, it's just unbelievable. Like the heart, the, like right there, it's just so powerful how he stepped out in faith. From a worldly standpoint, it didn't make sense. It didn't make sense for him to go out there pretty much with a slingshot to knock down a giant who's a skilled warrior. 
but he pretty much knew that he was standing up against God. And if God is for him, who could be against him? He stepped out in faith. And I wonder if when we have obstacles and challenges in our lives, do we back away and decide not to go forward in faith? Because this is the heart that God loved about David, that chasing after him, wanting to do his will, he stepped out in faith. There's so many things that has of us defeated at the moment right now that we could have victory over if we step out in faith, trust in God. So many things right now have us in a state of defeat, not because God wants us there, but you have decided to keep yourself there by not choosing to step out in faith. You've chosen to be pretty much to restrict yourself and not step into the battlefield in faith because you think it's more comfortable standing in the sidelines. Let me tell you, God's calling you to step out and face those giants that have been tormenting you for such a long time. You need to face it. Face it in Jesus' name, trust in God that those giants are going to fall, but it's not because of anything you could do. It's your trust in the king. Like how King David said, I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you've defied. Yeah, let me tell you something. Like imagine every giant that we face, we start saying to that giant, I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel. Like literally, I believe that we will see giants fall. The third thing about his heart is his heart trusted God. David, something that's very interesting is that David was anointed king while King Saul was king. So it's, it's, not, it's not like King Saul died and then it's like, all right, King David, you're next online. You're gonna, no, no, he got anointed king and King Saul was still king and he had to wait 10 years before he was able to sit on the throne as king. God is doing things in our lives that we have to wait on. There's a process, and the reason there's a process, because God is more interested in what's happening in your heart than where he's going to take you to. So, so many of us, we hear a word from God, or we get a sense from God on something, and we want it today. We want it right now. We want it Burger King status. Like, we want it drive through status. We want it microwave status. And God is like, look, I know I told you about that, but you got to wait. Because I'm doing a work in your heart, and that's more important to me than anything else. So for us to realize that, that King David had a way, and he trusted. And think about this. You know he trusted him because he had a chance to kill King Saul while he knew he was anointed to be king. Think about King David's heart. He knew that he was anointed to be king, and all of a sudden he sees King Saul, and he has a chance to kill him to expedite things, to move things faster. He's like, no, no, no. I'm going to do it God's way. I'm not going to do it and rush things just because I might want to be in that position. I'm going to do it when God has called me to do it. Also here, the fourth point about his heart is his heart loved others. His heart loved others. And I just want to even highlight this. You could read it on your own in 2 Samuel chapter 1. You could read it. Here, King Saul, when he died, 
King David cried over his death. He mourned over King Saul's death. Now, something I want all of us to realize, King Saul was desperately trying to kill David. King Saul was David's enemy. And when he died, David cried and he mourned that King Saul died. You want to know how many times King Saul tried to kill David? Let's see. This side, pick a number. One of you. 27. How many? Están durmiendo. Where we go here? 16. 15. Someone in the balcony. 20. None of you said it. That was actually my opportunity. to. Uh, we we're going to give away one of the dream homes. I'm sorry, guys. None of you guys got it, all right? It was 12. So that we know in Scripture, there were 12 times King Saul tried to kill King David. Now, some of us, like, you might not give him the title of enemies, but we have enemies in our lives. We have people that get on our nerves. We have people that we can't stand. We have people that when we see them, we walk the opposite way. We literally, we have people that drive us crazy. It might be your boss. It might be a family member. It might be a friend. It might be a stranger. It might be whoever it is. Now, check this out. Imagine that person trying to kill you 12 times. Yo, and this isn't like, this is like legit trying to kill you. you know, trying to put poison in your Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Like, they're trying to kill you, kill you. you know, they're trying to kill you. Imagine they try to kill you 12 times. How would you feel towards this person? Like, they're trying, to, they're trying to wipe you out of your life. Like, take you out. And then here is... David crying and mourning over the person that's tried to kill him 12 times. Look at that heart. And he loved others. And we know he loved others because he loved his enemies. And if you want a heart like God's, you have to start running away from the people you hate and just love on them. Some of you have been praying for them to leave your life. God has them there, and he's not going to let them go. He has them there, and you'll be like, God, you don't answer my prayers. And God is like, because I sent them. It's like, you know, like you're trying to tell me to take them out. It's like I have them there for a purpose. He loved others. The last thing, number five, his heart repented when he sinned. In Psalm 51, 10, 11, to 12, um, 10 and 11, it says this. Created me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. See, King David knew that uh, it was important to have a pure heart to have the Holy Spirit dwell in his life. Now, we're not going to go into this, but in the Old Testament before Jesus came, the Holy Spirit would come upon people and empower people. And in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit would dwell within us once we've given our lives to Jesus. But he knew that purity go hand in hand, hand in hand with God's presence being active in their life. And that's why he said when he was confronted with his sin, 
So many of us will come up with excuses for our sins or pretend nothing happened. He, he pretty much said, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit with me. Do not cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. See, Jesus said this in Matthew 5, 8. It said, he said this, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Something that I love, the word blessed means happy. So you could say happy are the pure in heart for they will see God. I, I like to flip things to see it a little differently. The reverse, if blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God, the reverse would be sad are the unclean and impure hearts for they won't see God. That would be the reverse I remember a couple years back, I, I went to a retreat and there was a lake. Um, there was a lake when we were uh, pretty much, it was a retreat. And um, this lake that we went in, it was so much fun. And there's a picture of it right now behind me, right there. That's actually the picture of the lake that we were at. And while we were there, we were canoeing, we were swimming, and we were doing different things there. And I'll never forget, how many of you guys love swimming in lakes? Raise your hand. All right. Some of you guys raise your hand. How many of you guys would, don't want to swim in lakes, but you'll swim in a river? All right. How many of you, no river, no lake, I'll swim just in the ocean with the sharks? All right. All right. All you guys are the sharks. Okay. So all I know, I, I, I'm not used to swimming in lakes too much. I'm not used to really, honestly, leaving Elizabeth too much. Like, Keep it, I'm a city guy, like, I mean, like, I'm not used to. So being in the lake and canoes and stuff like that, the only canoeing I ever did in my life before was wearing Ankle Park with that little thing that just, used go- <laughs> I wasn't even planning to say that, but that is pretty funny. That little thing, just going in circles, just going in circles in the lake. So in Wearing Ankle Park, that was the only lake. And I just know I was in the lake and could you, I was trying to see underwater. Do you think I was able to see underwater? No, no, I wasn't able to see underwater at all. And I was trying to see underwater and I was going in the water and this, and it was like so, it was like dirty and it was cloudy and dark and I wasn't able to see. And all of a sudden I feel something in the water. I was like, ¿Qué es eso? ¿Qué es eso? I feel something in the water. And I was like, I thought it was me at first. And then I keep going, swimming and stuff. And I felt something again. And I t- go up and I look and I see snakes. Yes, I see snakes, water snakes going through. Not one, a few going through. And how, you know, I'm a strong uh, country boy. You know, I, I didn't think much of it. You know, I tried to run. You know, I, I thought I was going to ro- walk on water. I was running so fast. I tried to get out of water as fast, as fast as I could. I have a question for all of us. How is your heart? How is your heart? How is the house you're building for God? Because if you gave your heart to Jesus, the Holy Spirit is living in your heart. How is the house you're building for him? Did you, like, put him on the side? Did you pretty much just 
seclude him and not give him the space that he, he needs in your life? In Mark chapter 7, verse 21 to 23, it says this, For it is within out of a person's heart that evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, theft, murder, which I want to um, say in the scriptures it says when you hate someone, is as if you're murdering them. So I just want to highlight that. When you hear murder, you're like, oh, well, I've never killed anyone. You know, it's like when you hate someone, it's as if murder. So murder, adultery, greed, malice, like wanting to do evil, even though you don't do it, just wanting to do it. Deceit, lewdness, uh, pretty much is offensive behavior, envy, slander, arrogance, folly, which is foolishness, all these evils come from inside and defile us, which means pretty much making us impure and unclean a person. Here in the front, I have a little heart. It's a plastic heart, and you can take off the, uh, the part in there. And the way I see it is, for every single one of us, God wants to remove everything that was there. So many things from this world that needs to be taken out. And he comes. Oh, he comes and with his spirit, he wants to fill our heart with his spirit. I don't know if you know, but in the Bible, it talks about his Holy Spirit being like water. He wants to fill our hearts to the overflow. Remember in the beginning I read a verse to be filled to the fullness? He wants to fill us to fullness with his spirit. And literally, when it's pure and filled with his spirit like that, you're able to see God. So many times people are like, um, he's like, I don't see God. I, I don't see him active in my life. Honestly, that's because you're swimming pretty much in a lake filled with impure things. And we've allowed sin in our lives. We've entertained things we shouldn't. We're not willing to give up things that we should give up. There's so many things that you know that God's tugging your heart to give it up, but we don't want to. So literally all these things, it's like dirt. It's impurities, it's unclean. So here, this looks beautiful right now, but literally the moment we start sinning, we start filling our hearts with dirt. And I know it's hard for all of you to see from where you're at, but that water is not clear anymore. Actually, that water looks very similar to the lake I was swimming in. And the same way when I was swimming in that lake and it was filled with darkness and it was hard to see, and out of nowhere, snakes appeared. When you entertain sin and you have darkness and impurity and things you're not willing to give up and give to God, literally in your life, spiritual snakes will start to appear. And it, it might seem like it's out of nowhere, but literally the enemy thrives on hearts like this. The enemy thrives on hearts that are willing to entertain sin and not give up certain things because those are areas of your heart 
that you've left the door open and the window open for anyone to come in. The Bible says you need to guard your heart. The Bible says you have to guard your heart because you got to give your whole heart to God. But all of a sudden, when we put Jesus in the living room on a futon, and all of a sudden, we let sin be on the second floor, in the closet, in the kitchen, all of a sudden, you've opened the door to what the world has and what the enemy has. So all of a sudden, spiritual snakes have all access into your house. And you might say, well, Jesus is in my house too. Jesus is in your house. But let me tell you, you didn't give him permission and made him king over all the different areas. All the different areas, you didn't give him permission. So right now, I don't know how your heart is. And I tell you, that's the most important thing your heart surrendered to God, but I want everyone to bow their heads. And if you know that your heart is far away from God, if you know that you want to be transformed by him, if you know there's things in your heart that needs to change and you're holding on to, but you're willing to surrender it now, during this worship song, I'm going to invite you to come forward to this altar. Today is the day to surrender everything. Today is the day to give your heart to God. Today is the day to say, God, you're the king over every room of my heart, not just wherever I tell you you could go. Today is the day where you declare that God is your all in all. And the sins that you've been entertaining, you're willing to surrender. And let me tell you, he's able to make you pure again. He's able with his blood to wash you clean. He's able to transform you. Don't believe the lies of the enemy saying that things won't change or that that aspect of your life can't be broken. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. Those are lies and whispers of the enemy. God wants to transform you. So even not now, if everyone could stand to their feet, and if you want to surrender your hearts, come forward. Don't worry about the person next to you. This is about you and God surrendering all to God. Holy Spirit, even now as we put our hands on our hearts, we give you permission to knock down every wall, every stronghold, anything that needs to be deconstructed and ripped apart and taken out, Lord God, we give you permission to do the deconstruction that has to happen. And God, we just surrender our heart to you, God, to you to transform us, God. Forgive us, Lord God, for our sins. Forgive us for entertaining sin. Forgive us for not reading your word. Forgive us for not chasing after your heart and just wanting to chase after blessings. God, forgive us for not building the house within our own hearts to that relationship that you want with us, God. So God, we give you our heart. We ask you to fill it to the overflowing with your Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, even now, we just ask you that you would saturate our hearts, saturate our lives, saturate this room, everything in our lives, Lord God, that it will be obvious that we are walking with you, Lord God. So we give you everything in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. God bless you. Love you very much. Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth is a Christian community whose mission is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. You can learn all about us by visiting cfofelizabeth.com. 
We meet each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, as well as at various times throughout the week. If you'd like to see a video recording of the full worship service this teaching came from, you can watch on demand on our YouTube channel, and you can join us live online every week by visiting cfofelizabeth.live. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode. See you next time.